Welcome to the We Shape podcast. We're back Hello. this week. Hey guys, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Ultra tired. Are you? Just because our little one tried to yank the blankets off of me in the middle of the night. She's a strong kid. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you don't crazy. sleep when you're a parent. That's just part of the deal. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's okay. You, you learned. I mean, it's not, it. but I'm sorry <laughs> that you're tired. All good. Um, Better you than me a little bit though, because you somehow can really survive when you don't sleep. I don't know what that is about you. I don't know either. I'm worried for you. That's what it is. Um, The holiday season is officially upon us. Yeah. Uh, so I know that that's going to bring some, I'm really hopeful that this podcast can offer extra support during that season because, um, some people really embrace and love the holidays for other people. It's a mixed bag of joy and fun, but also like hard dynamics and extra mental stress. So I I've said this before on the podcast and I'll continue to say my intention with the, with the podcast is to give people permission to connect with themselves and make decisions um, that are best for them. Um, And this is in many different areas of our life, right? So the holiday season is a really good time to practice that. So in terms of how we exercise, how we eat, how we engage with quote unquote friends and family, like (laughs) it's an opportunity for us to give ourselves a moment to check in with ourselves and give ourselves permission to do things maybe that we haven't done in the past that are for our own, you know, uh, emotional sanity. Yeah, Don't neglect yourself, AKA don't neglect yourself. <laughs> yeah. I feel it myself. Like I practice this daily um, in terms of like, what am I doing to care for myself? But I feel the holidays creeping in and the stress of all of those extra things. And so when that happens, I just remind myself, you have a choice in all of this, right? Like, No one is forcing you to do anything. You can pause and say, okay, like I'll give a little example. That's going to be hard for me to let go of this. But like usually I give my neighbors all these gift baskets. I don't really have capacity for that this year. I just, and I don't want them to think I'm like, you know, Scrooge over here (laughs) because I'm so worried about what they'll think. But like, I don't have capacity for that this year. Like I want to save my energy for something else. So just another opportunity to give people permission to take care of themselves in a time where we often, this would be the most probable time that people would be neglecting themselves. I think this podcast is going to get posted after Christmas though. So is if it? you did neglect yourself no, before it's Christmas, not, Tyler. then it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right after. Oh, so if I'm you so sorry. You neglected yourself. Yeah. We're here for you. <laughs> I misunderstood. <laughs> I thought this was going to be before. Okay. So. Um, I'm so sorry if you neglected yourself, but it's never too late. <laughs> it's never too late to recover yeah. and to um bring in, and, and bring some intentionality to your self-care. So yes. but it probably would be a good time. And we're sorry, neighbors, for the no gifts to gift baskets. <laughs> I feel if you're like listening to the best neighbors. Holiday. Now they're all gonna know before. Yeah. Oh my god. It's okay. It's just nothing against them. I just don't have energy yeah. for it. Um, but yeah, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> um, but I do think it's a perfect time to mention We Shapes company-wide intention for the new year, mm. which is to ditch New Year's resolutions. Anti. They don't work. To bail on your scale, you are more than a number mm. on a machine. And to focus on taking care of yourself in a new and more meaningful way. So um, if and, you're... I know we're going to bring on a guest in a sec, but I'm sorry. I just got to like, I got to say this because I feel like it just connects with so many people. Like how many times have you stepped on that little machine and it showed you a number and you felt bad about yourself? 
every right? time. Even, every time. Even, even when you hit your goals, you I know. still do, right? Yeah. It's the 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 goalpost shifts. So like I said this, I think on last week's or the week before's podcast that like if you're out there and you started a New Year's resolution on January 1st and we're approaching the end of December and you're still doing it, let me know. Because I don't think that happens. It's never happened to me. And if I, everybody in the world woke up in the morning and hit themselves in the head with a hammer and you were taught that, like at, at some point you got to be like, I'm going to stop hurting myself, right? I'm going to stop doing this to me. Yeah, you know? I mean, I'm over it. Bail on your scale. If you're looking to purchase an exercise or workout product that meets you where you are, that does not focus on weight loss and does not contribute to toxic weight loss culture, you can check us out at WeShape.com. We have a real-time scalable exercise workout program that meets your individual needs that does not focus on weight loss and particular body image goals. We also, um, earlier this month, have launched all of these community calls where community members can join Zoom calls. It's included in their membership. And they can just connect with one another where they can share some of their small wins, some of their what we call we challenges and we wins or we struggles. Actually, they're called we struggles. So it's like we all come together. We share for three minutes. Like I'm really struggling with this or I actually started this cool gratitude journal. And it's really benefiting me. And so that way other people can go, oh my God, I'm not alone in that. Or, oh my gosh, I want to try that. That would maybe help me feel more joy in my day. And so it's 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 really hard to participate in a community that's going against the grain. So I realized a little while back that if we were going to break down toxic weight loss culture and provide people a workout product that was kind of against the grain, we had to offer community support throughout that process. So I I just feel like the community element is so important because yeah. you're going to be tempted to like want to go on the scale and worry about your pant size and do all these things. And like the community support can help us come together and be a force as one to say, hey, we're going to be in this community so that we move our body and take care of our body. And we're not going to be focusing on these other things. And I'm going to join like-minded people to help me in that support when I feel tempted and when I feel discouraged and when I feel brought into my old patterns. So I just feel like you're not alone. I mean, yeah. that's the reality is like, it's, it's really easy to go with the herd because you feel like you're not alone when you're going with the herd. But if the herd's going the wrong way, you got to step outside of that direction and then you feel alone. And so if you build a community that can step outside of that with you, then you feel supported. And that's the way we're going to make it. Yeah. So right now I have five community calls a week. So one Monday through Friday, and then I have two coaching calls where people can actually call in and ask more movement related questions with you, Tyler. Um, And so as the new year goes, if, you know, those calls get too big, I will add more calls. So I'm always trying to make sure that people can feel heard. We can join one another in community. Uh, but I think it's necessary for us to come together if we're going to break down toxic weight loss culture. I think we have to, we we can't feel too alone in this. So if you're new to this podcast or um, you're looking for a community that can offer you support in a different way that's hopefully more meaningful, uh, go to WeShape.com. We've got you. Um, all <laughs> right. Shameless plug. Yeah, totally shameless plug. I, I'm all the way here for this movement because I feel like people are ready to, it's like any time, you know, I think I've mentioned this before, but. I would go around and people would be like, oh, tell me about your startup. And I'd be like, oh, we're this tech. And I would talk all about the technology because mm-hmm. it it took us like multiple years to build this product. So there's a ton of technology behind it. And people were like, oh, cool. And then I said, I'm going to try something different. So I actually didn't talk about the technology because you don't see that as, as a customer. You just come in and use the product, right? Yeah. Um, but I started going, we're actually giving people permission to not look at the scale and to just move their body and take care of their body and meet them where they are. And people would be like, what's your website? And I was like, <laughs> oh, people are just really ready for permission to not participate in that anymore. So 
this podcast and our community and our product is giving people permission to not participate in that cycle anymore and to just literally use our product to move and care for yourself and to connect with other people who are doing the same. So we hope to see you in the community. I also want to say uh, we love to hear from people. Mm -hmm. So if you want to chat with us or uh, talk about your journey, breaking toxic weight loss culture, or any any of the subjects that you feel like you want to comment in on, our, you can reach us at uh, podcast at weshape.com. We also now have two different um, social media handles. Oh. We, were, we were one social media handle at WeShape. But we were confusing the algorithm with like movement stuff and then toxic weight loss culture stuff. So we were like, this is, this is, we need to separate them. So We Shape um, is our main, it, not main, but is one of our more movement centered uh, social media channels. And then We Shape Wellness is more about talking about community, breaking toxic weight loss culture, redefining standards. So check us out on all the social, social channels, We Shape and We Shape Wellness. Um, okay, I'm going to move on because today we have a guest. It's our first Zoom guest, Ooh. but I'm so impressed with our content team. I was like, I don't know if I like the Zoom setup, but they like literally made it feel like the person is here. So kudos to the We Shape content team. team. Um, you guys always blow my mind. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and read. Um, we have Emily here today, Emily Stewart. Uh, I'm going to read her bio. Emily is a pre and postpartum exercise specialist and mother of three. After navigating her own challenging postpartum health, um, sorry, after navigating her own challenging postpartum healing journeys, it is her passion to support uh, other mothers on theirs. Her focus is on helping moms restore core function and strength so they can feel their best. She actively fights against culture pressure to bounce back and advocates for better support for mothers. Yes, girl. Um, she's a certified pre and postnatal fitness specialist, and she's a certified postpartum corrective exercise specialist. So right. um, welcome, Emily. Can you welcome. hear us? Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm just excited right now because this is the first time I've heard your bio. I'm like the guy who comes on the calls and completely unprepared, but that sounds really interesting. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of fun today. Yes, I love your mission at WeShape and what you stand for and everything you said at the beginning of this. And it's very in line with the work that I do. So I'm super happy to be here and chat with you all. Well, thank you so much. Um, you know, there's a big thing in our culture that we don't talk a lot about, and it's time to give it some attention, which is this bounce back mentality from um, after having a baby. Um I don't know. Where where do you want to start, Emily? Do you want to kind of start with like how you got into this, your own journey, like wherever you want to start? I'd love to hear more about your story and more about what you do. Yeah, sure. So um, so from, you know, when I had my first, I felt that and noticed that. And there's just this huge pressure to, you know, pregnancy is this beautiful thing. And then you become a mom and it's like, you're supposed to look like you've never had a child and you're supposed to just bounce back into how you used to look and lose all the weight as fast as you can. And um, it's just, it's really unrealistic and it's really damaging to both uh, the physical and mental health of moms. Um, I see multiple things happen, which is a lot of times moms jump back too soon, too fast, which is what I did after uh, my second, like going for runs when he was a few months old and not mm -hmm. realizing that that was going to cause issues with my pelvic floor and leaking and all kinds of things um, because of that pressure. And there's so much that we can do and there's so much going on um, 
And just to acknowledge that and be aware of that and to take the time that's needed to really go at your own pace and fully heal is so valuable. And it's just so often dismissed in, in that pressure to bounce back. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I keep going back to the intention of this podcast, which is to give people permission to do what's best for them. And I wish I would have had permission to do that as well, because it's not like it was like someone who was right next to me going, you have to do this. It's just, it's part of the culture. It's Mm -hmm. part of the norm to say, we need to get back as quick as possible. And I'll never forget. um, After my first, I went to a CrossFit class. I had told him that I had just had a baby and I'll never forget going into the car afterwards and just crying for like 20 minutes and being like, I can't do this. My body will never be how it was. And then I never went back to that class again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that is not how we're supposed to hold one another. I, I just feel so sad for new moms sometimes because I feel like the way that our culture has evolved is so far from the support that women need. And I'm like, can I remind everybody that if the people who are having the babies are the ones responsible for all the human beings on the planet. (laughs) And so like sometimes we just are kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone has a baby. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like if you actually think about that for a few minutes, that's a pretty big deal. It's beyond that though. It's, it's that people put a higher value on like the person making money for the family than they do for the people making all the people. Right. It's, I mean, when you really sit in that, that's insane. You know, and I, I just think our society is is crazy. I think that, you know, the way that some of these cultures used to live where they really supported um, women when they were in their pregnancy and post-pregnancy, like that's what we need a lot more of. So I don't know. I mean, how do you, how do you, I, I mean, I will just say the they have actually done, uh, they've put out data that says based on the average amount that a mother uh, work that a mother does to hold all of that together, like the salary that would be associated with that. And you guys can't afford us. It's very, <laughs> it's a ton. It's like, you guys can't afford the, the we, we have to place a bigger value on what, what the women who are having the babies are doing because um, there is this book actually, I don't know if you've ever heard of this book, Emily, I think it's called fair play. She has a documentary, she has a book, and she has a card deck. And she talks about, the whole thing was about her having three kids, like just juggling all of the things. And it wasn't that her partner wasn't participating. It was that she was the owner of the job in the house. And she had the tab in her brain and like she would just delegate. And she's like, there's no value to the energy that goes from the tabs that you have to keep open in your mind. And so she talks about when people expand families, like it's a really important time to sit down And to say, look, there's a bunch of invisible work that goes on and we need to better disperse this work because it's not really healthy for one person to hold it all. But we have to come together as a culture and hold value in that first, right? We don't do anything in in our life that we don't value, right? So it's like we have to like, I think the start of this conversation has to be we have to value the people having the babies because if we don't value what that their body and their mind is having to go through, then we won't be able to make impact and change. So I think if we could all just like pause and and, and have a deeper sense of value and sit in that really intense tra- transformation that has to go on for a woman, is, I think it's important. I'm curious, yeah. you know, in terms of your story, maybe you can share more about like the transition. So you, you had your first baby, you started yeah. feeling like I got to do all this stuff. The pressure builds, like walk us through yeah. you know, from there to where you are. 
So with my first, I ended up after 30 hours of unmedicated labor, transporting to the hospital and having a C-section. So that was a very unexpected um, thing. And it took a lot of healing and it was, you know, both emotionally and physically was very challenging. Um, And yeah, I didn't feel, you know, beyond that six week checkup and then the eight week, okay, your incisions are healed. You're good to go. I didn't feel like, but where do I go? Like, what do I do next? Um, And then with my second, you know, and that kind of just, I never really found a solution. And then with my second, um, I jumped back in too soon, too fast. I was, you know, leaking when I jumped on a trampoline and when I ran and that's really brushed off in our culture as like, oh, welcome to motherhood. Like, yep, you're a mom now. That's just part of life. Um, And I just, that didn't feel okay to me. I was, I felt like this is I'm not okay with this just being brushed off as a part of life. I feel like, you know, there should be something we can do. And so then I really started the cycle of kind of doing my own research and finding solutions and learning about pelvic floor physical therapy um, and learning that there are all these corrective exercises and things that we can do to support our body. So my son was, uh, who's my second child, was about two and a half when I really like delved deep into all of that. And discover that I have diastasis recti as well, which is a really, really common issue. All of these are super common, but they're not often talked about because women feel ashamed. Um, and they're, but they're also not normal. They're super common, but they're not normal. And there's so much that we can do. So I kind of went through my own healing process, completely stopped the leaking, completely healed my diastasis, and I, I wanted to share that. Um, so. You know, I shared a little here and there, but then after my third, when I kind of went through the whole process again was when I decided I'm going to get certified. I want to spread this information to more moms. I want to be the person that I wish I had who can really tell them like, look, there's all these things you can do, you know, going slow actually um, is a faster route in the long run. You know, taking your time, going slow, you will get to your results sooner than if you jump in too fast and then you have all these setbacks. Um, can, I, can we so, can we pause right there? Can I unpack yes. something really quick? Because I'm yeah. loving everything you're saying. And I used to train people. And I'll never forget working with this one woman. And she was in her early 60s. And we started doing some movement-based stuff. And she had a little urine leak in her pants. And she's like, yeah. oh, that's just what happens after your mom. And she felt so shameful. And she started to cry. And I was like, oh, my God. Like people don't realize that this isn't something you just have to live with, but it's yeah. a symptom of, um, you know, having a pregnancy, your, your core muscles, uh, kind of losing their touch with your mind. And then nobody ever teaching you how to rebuild that. So like everything you've said is so amazing, especially that last, that last point, which is sometimes you get to where you want to be faster by moving slower. And I think it's so common in our society for someone to have a baby. And then, like you said, go running again. And you're like, oh, you can't go running when your core just got expanded like a balloon and then yeah. shrunk back down. So maybe you can touch on like, hey, let's say somebody's you know post-pregnancy or maybe they're decades post-pregnancy. Like, what are the things that they need to do to kind of awaken the muscles in their body to perform the way they're supposed to perform so they don't have to live with this for the rest of their life? Yes. So thank you for that. Um Yes. So touching on that, because you mentioned, or even decades, it is never too late. I've seen people like 10, 20, 30 years postpartum kind of go back to the healing basics of the beginning and heal. So 
um, whether you're six weeks, six months, six years, 30 years, there's so much we can do. It's never too late. Um, and, and you mentioned too about um, kind of your mind losing track of the core. And that's a huge part of it is the mind body connection and really like reconnecting to your core. And it can be really challenging and difficult. It can take weeks or even months to really get that down. Um, and it feels for most people, this is my experience, when they start to do um, like mind body connection work or these subtle exercises, they just think to themselves like, this is too easy. This isn't doing anything for me. Like the, the mindset is like, have your baby and then do cardio so you can lose weight, right? But yeah. the reality is it's it's have your baby and then heal your body. Heal your body by reconnecting to the muscles and figuring out how your body's supposed to function again. But nobody yeah. teaches that. A hundred percent. So yes. So pelvic floor physical therapy is an amazing thing that I believe should be standard care for all mothers. 100%. So uh, regardless of what type of birth they have. 100%. To, regardless. To think about 100%. that. You, you took your core and you stretched it out in a humongous way and then you have a baby and then it's like, what are you going to, you think that's going to heal in one month? Right. Like if somebody gets like a hip surgery, there's an expectation that there's like a year recovery before you feel good and about yourself. Therapy, right? so, and there's physical therapy for that. You have a baby in a cesarean like section <laughs> and they're like, here's your baby. Go out in the world. Well, I'm going to say again that I know that there is a lot of shame in this. Yeah. And so I was thinking about shame the other day and how it just really ruins a lot of stuff. Mm. And I think that if we can work through that shame and talk about it, that is what will change the value system. So if all of a sudden half the population starts going, ooh, excuse me, I'm not available for this type of postpartum care anymore and I'm going to speak up about what I need, that's when change happens. So sitting in silence and not sharing your experience or allowing shame to be in the driver's seat will not evoke change. But people don't know what they don't know, right? I think there's so many moms. I have a friend who just had a baby, I think six weeks ago, and she's like back at CrossFit. And I'm like, girl, what are you doing here? Go home and take a nap. Like, I'll never forget with my second when I hired a doula. I didn't have one with my first huge regrets. But when I had one with my second, she was like, okay, so my intention is to keep you in bed for 30 days. And I was like, <laughs> good luck. Like she was like, that's like standard postpartum care. And I was like, I don't, uh, uh, like I couldn't compute it. Like I had C-sections with both my kids and I think I was probably out of the house the day after I got back from the hospital with the first one. Yeah. But think about the difference between that and like you had an ankle surgery and the expectation was you're going to lay in bed for- I didn't work for, for four months yeah. with my ankle surgery. <laughs> right? It's crazy, right? Yeah. That seems like it's- and, so, and so that's what I'm saying, oh, right? Man. Change- starts with the value system that we all have. So for all of the people out there who are having the babies, it's important for you to know that the way the culture takes care of women after they have a baby is not normal and it's not healthy and it's actually not okay. And so the only way that we can move through that is to come together and say, we don't we don't really like this. This isn't helping our society. It's not helping the people who are producing all of the people on the planet. And we need we need to talk about it. So I think first step is shifting the value. And then the second step is being brave enough to talk about your experience so that we can just kind of say, okay, Shane, we see you, but you're moving to the passenger seat and not the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. And we're actually going to start having discussions about this so that um, it could maybe even be, I mean, what a concept that it would be part of postpartum standard care. That all women saw, a, you know, I mean, so Emily, let me ask you, after somebody has a baby, so your recommendation would be absolutely everyone needs 
um, pelvic floor work after? Like how many sessions do you feel until people, I mean, I know it's probably a spectrum based on. It, it really varies by what's happening with them individually. I do recommend it for everyone, even if they're not having any symptoms. Um, and that, like you're saying, speak up, advocating for yourself is huge. If you feel like you have something going on in your body, that's not how it was before. If you're feeling heaviness, leaking, like any, anything just feels off, ask your doctor, especially like at that six week appointment is great. But if you're beyond that and you need support, ask for a referral. Um, cause yeah, the more of us that are speaking up, then more, you know, OBs and general practitioners will be like, Oh, this is something I'm hearing a lot. Maybe this is something I should think of doing on my own or checking in with people about, yeah. um, don't and normalize that hundred yeah. percent. Um, and then beyond that, like I am a postpartum corrective exercise specialist and pre and postpartum fitness specialist. So there is a large community of that, which I always recommend pelvic floor physical therapy, because there are certain things like that we can't do as far as actual, like with the body, like they can internally check you, they can like physically release muscles. And that's something that we can't do. But if you don't have access, I live in a pretty rural area. Um, and it's really hard to get into a pelvic floor physical therapist here. So if you don't have access to that, someone who's trained specifically in postpartum corrective exercise is going to be able to help you rebuild that strength um, and reconnect to your core in a way that mainstream fitness just doesn't have. Like you said, you went back into a CrossFit, told them you just had a baby, but they, they don't know what to do with that. Like, they're just great. Awesome. You're back. You know, they don't have that knowledge because that's not their expertise and they aren't trained in it. So, um, it's so big, it's so so big. Sorry. I just want to say one thing about this. Like, um, the human body, everybody's body works in, in a very similar way. And one of the principles that people should understand is that every movement you make works from center out core to extremity. So that means when I go to lift my arm to pick up my glass of water right here, we think that the muscles that move the arm are firing first, but the muscles that um, stabilize the core are what fire first. And so that's why when anything happens like, like back pain or injuries or, you know, car accident or, or postpartum, um, typically what happens is these muscles uh, lose their, their normal coordination. And when they lose their normal coordination, all other functions become potentially dangerous to the body. And so like, I think it's so important for people to recognize that like, you have to learn how to stabilize the core. And I, and to me, the core is never like everything's the core is like your six pack, right? Like the visible abs, right? I always tell people the core is hips to nips. Sorry. I know that's silly, but, <laughs> but like the whole entire midsection of the body, right? So on that note, because so many people heavily focus on those six pack abs. So planks, crunches. These are primarily focusing on the rectus abdominis, which is the six pack abs. And these are the outer superficial layer of your core muscles. And it's not going to help you heal and reconnect what's going on deep inside, which is what's really affected during pregnancy and postpartum. So the innermost layers are your transverse abdominis and they basically work like as your body's natural corset to stabilize and hold everything in place but it's been overstretched and expanded Um, they also work directly with your diaphragm and your pelvic floor so when we take a deep inhale um, our diaphragm and pelvic floor lower 
the pelvic floor relaxes. And then when we exhale, they naturally lift in unison and that TVA engages. Um, so reconnecting with the breath is a huge part of reconnecting with the core because when our belly is expanded huge and the baby's pushing up on our diaphragm, we can't get a good deep breath. So our breathing, we often revert to chest breathing because of pregnancy. And so until we kind of re get used to the shifts of everything, a lot of times our breath stays, you know, shallow and in our chest. So really reconnecting to that deep breath really helps you reconnect to that deep core system and focusing, doing exercises that focus on those deep muscles and the exhale, engaging with the exhale really engages those deep core muscles and really protects your pelvic floor and your deep core when you are doing more strenuous things, even picking up your child. So I love everything you said. I just, I'm laughing. I don't know how much you know about the workouts that we do, Emily. But like every single workout we do starts with deep breathing and we're teaching that deep diaphragmatic breathing. And then the second movement we teach people is core stabilization, right? Which is just how to- When we yeah. first launched that, I was like, people want to do these breathing things. And you're like, Katie, it's, it's, it's necessary. Important. We it's have to important. keep it. Because I wanted to take it out of the product. I felt like we were going to lose people in it. And I think we just needed to educate people, including myself, on the importance of it. I was just going to say that because I'm thinking about like imagining myself as a new mom, for instance, and being like, I want to get back into my old jeans. I feel the pressure, whatever. And being like, breathing's not going to get me there. You know, like that's like the first thought is like, I got to do some running. I got to do whatever. And I'm like hearing this like very educated things come out of your mouth and being like, but no, like the pressure's there. Yeah, like, no, and, no, and, and I don't want to breathe deeply. I want to like go on my, like Peloton. But the breathing deeply is what you, you have know, to do. Let me paint the journey. So it's super clear for people. I, I think this is really important, right? Like you have a baby, you, you lose connection with your core and you follow what other people are telling you. You go out and do cardio. What you're doing is you're, you're moving your limbs with an unstable center. You're risking injury. You're probably not going to be able to put as much power through those limbs right. as you possibly can. So you won't get the results you're actually after. You'll likely get You'll injured, et cetera. So you reverse that and you say, okay, start with stabilization, learning how to re uh, breathe again. Now you, you have the stable mid midsection and the ability to breathe. Now you have more capacity and it's the capacity. It's your work capacity and the complexity of the movements you're able to do that, that changes the way you feel in your body and the way that you can move in your environment. And so like, you can't get there without starting here. You can't jump to the end. You have you to start skip ahead. And you know, what's funny. So I had a pelvic floor specialist after my second, I don't think I did after Ellie, after our first. And I, um, I ended up having to have a surgery to repair my diastasis because it had gotten so severe after the second one that the physical therapist said, I'm so sorry, like we've done all we can and it's not going to go back until you, it's not going to repair to the level that you need without a surgery. And I have regrets because I wonder if I would have just done it after the first one, if I would have probably, you know what I mean? Like if the second child would have not, it wouldn't have been as severe, but again, nobody knows about this stand. This is, this should, this should be standard care. Yeah. And it's absolutely not. It wasn't until I had almost a two inch separation and an umbilical hernia that they were like, oh, we should look at this. <laughs> it was like my like guts were like, like, like popping. Out yeah. And core. they were like, oh, yeah, we, we could look at it now. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea what diastasis recti was until you like showed me your stomach and you're like, there's a space where my hands can go inside my body cavity. It was and almost two inches. Lots of friends who've had babies like I and like those words have never been uttered. And like, I'm a human woman, like I might have kids someday. Like, why isn't this common knowledge? Why don't people hear we about don't. this? Yeah. But I, I wonder if I would have prevented my surgery had I just done better care after postpartum care after my first. 
It's possible. It's so hard to know. There are rare cases where surgery is required to um, do that, but there's so much to do first. And just a side note, I do know people um, who, you know, have thought they needed surgery and then healed, but there are also, even if you do, like you are a more severe case, like you were, and you do end up requiring surgery, doing all of the exercises first will also help you with your recovery. And then you will already know the things that you need to do again to help yourself heal and stay strong so that you don't have any issues later on. I have one friend who had a surgery and she tore her surgery from doing intense core exercises after and had to have it redone. Um, So if you do all, yes. So if you do all the core rehabilitation, like it's so worth trying at first. Yes. It's harder and it takes, takes a lot more time but if you try it first and you still end up needing surgery it's going to help you with the I, surgery. It's going I will to say that the surgery to repair the diastasis was worse than the c-section oh my gosh significantly yeah, that was pretty crazy because they stitched from like the top from the my rib cage all the way down to my pelvis so it was like yeah. re like I was so afraid I didn't even sleep on my side for like six months I had to like sleep on my back because I, I was so afraid. I was like, I remember when I first got it, I told everyone, if you even have the slightest cold, you cannot come to my house because if I get a cough, I am petrified of having to engage, engage my core. It's a, it's a really strenuous recovery, way worse than the C-section I'll say. Um, but you know, I do think again, I think that the biggest point I want to make is that, um, it's okay that, that when you look around you, you don't know about this. And when people aren't talking about it, it doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you've already had children or you're about to have children or you're going to have children, just like Emily said, it sounds like it's never too late to to have recognition around this. And it's it's not really, we, we need to stop normalizing some of the symptoms that come postpartum. Yeah. And we need to start advocating for ourselves and eventually, hopefully then the culture will advocate for us as a whole, but it's got to start with us. So so I have a, sorry, I want to jump into something that I, I thought of here. Like you, you had said like planks and crunches and things like that. I were totally aligned that you know, just focusing on the outer layers is, is, is kind of a a ridiculous notion. It's not going to really serve you in the long run. So, um, I'm curious if you can share with us, like some of the things you see people commonly doing or the things that they think they should be doing that maybe they shouldn't be doing. And then maybe we can go in a little bit more detail. You mentioned pelvic floor physical therapy, but maybe something that some people could actually use at home. So let's go into the, the, the things people are being told to do first. So yeah, so planks and crunches, you don't want to be doing those immediately postpartum until you have done some more of the core rehabilitative work, starting with the deep breathing and reconnecting, like we talked about, um, I call it core breathing. So to actually really connect those muscles, when you exhale, you gently lift the pelvic floor. So like a gentle Kegel and kind of imagine your whole core wrapping in to get that TVA um, engaged and putting a hand on your core and really feeling as you're practicing these things can really help with that mind body connection. Um, And then high impact, that is a huge one because, you know, mommy boot camps, they have these things like, (laughs) oh my God, (laughs) this gets to me because especially if you're not trained in this. And so there are so many mainstream Some things I won't name like specific companies, but there are companies where there are fitness coaches that are not actually trained in any sort of fitness. 
And they're targeting new moms with these fitness programs that are not safe for new moms. And a lot of that is because it's high impact. It's like boot camp style where you're doing like burpees with jumps and um, mm. jump squats. And that's what's going to really injure. It's going to make the problem floor. worse. Yes. If your pelvic floor is already okay, like a lot of people actually get through pregnancy and birth without too much damage to the pelvic floor and they're doing okay. And then when they actually end up with pelvic organ prolapse is when they go running at six weeks after doing nothing for that, you know, for six weeks, or they go to a, you know, high impact boot camp class and their body, they have not reconnected and rebuilt the strength for their body to be able to handle that. Um, I, I would, I would just throw out like jogging, running and stuff into this oh, yeah. too. Like you said, the amount yes. of people you see with their, their joggers, their jogger strollers trying to burn oh, yes. off the baby weight. It's like, stop. stop <laughs> you didn't have to worry about that, that with me unless you know? something's chasing me. I, I yeah, walking is great. Walking is amazing for your body. And even that you want to start slow. You can start walking within a couple of weeks as your body feels ready, but take it slow, like do five or 10 minutes. And then gradually every week, add another five minutes, like even that work up slowly. Um, but yeah, you really want to spend. So the current guideline, um, recommendation is to wait at least three to six months before you're doing anything high impact, but that is assuming that you've spent at least six to 12 weeks doing intentional core rehabilitative work. So even if you're six months postpartum, if you have not done that yet, your body's still not ready for that. Wow. Um, so some of the things I, I have a Instagram page, which is, uh, the handle is mom emerging strong. And I share a ton of, um, exercises on there that are really great for early postpartum all the way up to like more advanced once you've healed somewhat. Um, but yeah, you really just want to take it slow. And that's another thing. Progressive overload is so important in order to heal. You do have to keep moving. A lot of people get scared and they kind of stick with those really early, really gentle, really beginning exercises because they know they have pelvic organ prolapse or diastasis recti. And they have this fear that they will, will get hurt or that they will make it worse if they do anything more. Um, but that can also hold back your progress. So you really, you start slow and go slow as your body's ready, but continuing to challenge those tissues is what's going to create change and is what's going to help it heal and continue to make progress over time. That's I'm what so we do in our product. It's I all micro movement progression. That's I, I'm so happy you mentioned that because it's just it's so funny to me this you know I've, I've observed this a lot but like people kind of fall into like one of two categories. They're the people who jump in and they're going to push themselves too far or they're the people they're going to jump in and they're going to worry about pushing themselves too far so they're not going to push themselves enough. 100%. And it's like god that is the hardest part about um teaching someone how to learn how to move their body to become stronger and more coordinated and flexible is is like understanding how, how much you have to listen to yourself to give yourself the right dose, you know? So how do people do that? How do people identify, um, when they're doing something that's appropriate for them, maybe a little bit too easy for them and maybe something that's too much for them. Yeah. So it can be such a hard balance. You're so right. Um, so the things that I always tell people to look for is if you're having any pain, probably you're not there yet. If you're having leaking, 
Um, if you're having any like heaviness or downward pressure in your vaginal area, and also if you're having core, what they call core doming or coning. So if you're like, you know, coming up into a crunch and you look down and the center of your core is kind of like coming up like a little mountain, um, that's a sign that you likely have diastasis and that the load of that exercise is too much for you right now. Um, working on connecting it with the breath, like we talked about, like when you're doing the hard part of an exercise, you want to do it on the exhale. So you want to make sure you're exhaling and actively engaging while you're doing the work of the exercise. Um, and if you're still experiencing any of those symptoms with incorporating that, then that load is probably too much for your core at that time. And you want to try modifying, modifying and scaling back. Yeah. But yeah, I think if, if there's any, so like one of the things that I had noticed but hadn't made the connection was when I had had both the kids, the OB and the midwife was telling me that I was carrying them in a really interesting way. Like they, I didn't carry them really in my pelvis. They were kind of on the out, like I carried them in a weird way. And like, you should look at pictures of me with the first one. It looks like, like I was a torpedo. It looked like I was like going to deliver a unicorn. It was like, I was like a missile. So right? cute though. Um, we always laugh because from the back, you just look like a, like normal. And then you'd turn to the side yeah. and it would just be like you. But my point is, is like, that was the first indication to me that my core was going to have a lot of work that needed to be done because the way they were positioned and sitting in my uterus was causing extra strain on that abdominal muscle. And when I saw the surgeon for repair, um, she said, you know, unfortunately she goes, I could actually go into a delivery delivery room and hand select the people who are going to have the worst core problems based on how long their torso was, mm -hmm. because the shorter that your torso is, the more it has to, expand. the more it has to do. And then the bigger that the baby is that like Macy was 10, eight and a half pounds and she was 10 days early. Yeah. Like these were not small babies that I had and my torso is very short. And so she was like, it's like, but nobody told me that, right? So like, there are like these clues that you can kind of see. It sounds like regardless of the type of pregnancy you have, if you have the longest torso in the world and you didn't have that, yeah. you still are going to need to do this. But there are indication that you might need to prepare yourself psychologically that you're going to have. So if anyone is telling you that you're carrying your baby in an interesting position or your uterus is in a typical shape or your baby's not dropping into your pelvis or you have a short core, like these are indications that you're going to need to mentally and emotionally and I'm saying mentally and emotionally and psychologically, because when you have a baby, um, you taking care of your core is kind of the last thing on your mind, um, but you will pay a price for that. And so this is why I talk about some of the societal implications of how we support new mothers, because if we offered more support, the mother would have more capacity to think about these things and to care for these things and would not be worrying about what's on the menu for dinner and how they're going to get the other kid to preschool that morning and um, how they're going to do all the laundry that day and how they're probably going to have to log into a Zoom call for work. Like, it's insane. And so... I think this is, again, I keep bringing it back to the deeper discussion around yeah, let's, support let's transition to mindset. Yeah. To, to support for women, because if somebody told me after my delivery, like you're going to, you have a really severe case of diastasis. And I did, I did. And I went to physical therapy and um, luckily my insurance had covered that, but I would have loved to have made that connection during pregnancy so that I could have psychologically prepared and said, okay, look, 
I'm probably going to have to work on some stuff physically after this birth. And so I need to arrange my life and literally speak up about this and ask for help. I think I watch so many women suffer in no, silence no, yeah. and it enrages me, to be honest, because I'm like, just ask for help. <laughs> just tell your partner, I'm so sorry. This is like completely overwhelming me. And I think if you can have this conversation before the baby comes, when the baby comes, I remember feeling like I know I need to ask for this, but I don't even have the words. Yeah. And so, and if you're listening to this and you're not the one carrying the baby and you're the partner, I think your job is to say, this is going to be a really big transition and I want to help you. And I want to sit down ahead of time and I want to figure this out because you're not going to be needing to focus on laundry and cooking and work and taking the kids here. And you're going to need support for yeah. some extended time. And how can I show up so that the mother isn't holding the mental tab of the delegation for that support, that the person who's actually coming in can hold that. It is so much different to be able to delegate something to someone versus to not even have to think about that delegation for someone. And then we can actually focus on the things that matter. It's not forever. Tell your partner. It's not forever. You don't have to do the laundry forever. You don't have to, but it is a partnership. And I think it's really critical because none of this will change unless we have these conversations about the cultural norms for women. I, I think that's true. And just before we move to the mindset side, I just want to say one thing, like there's probably one out of a thousand or less people who, when they move, have a, 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 a core that functions properly. And then when you try to teach them to properly fire their core muscles can do it like on their first shot. So like, um, Anybody who's, you know, postpartum needs to do this. Anybody who's probably had a baby should revisit this. <laughs> Frankly, my opinion is everyone should do this. Even if you're like a professional athlete, I think it's important to just revisit this because again, it serves as the foundation for all movement is proper 100%. stabilization and control of your core. And don't, so what I hear and Emily, tell me if this is what the, the, where you are. What I hear is that regardless of the type of pregnancy you have, you need to be a self-advocate and you need to ask for physical therapy post-delivery and advocate for that. And I really hope that insurance companies are paying for this. And then you need to ask for a pelvic floor specialist. Yes. You are not going to go to a typical therapist. You're going to go to a pelvic floor specialist. Is yes. that right, Emily? Yes. And um, just to back up a little bit about what you were saying about pregnancy, they can really help you during pregnancy too. If you have any indication that you might, and even if you don't, like they can teach you how to engage your deep core while you're pregnant, you can work on strengthening that area, even as your belly grows. A hundred percent of pregnancies will experience diastasis recti by the end of the pregnancy. It's our body's natural way of making space. Um, but there are a lot of things that you can do to minimize how severe it is during pregnancy and to help yourself heal post-pregnancy. I love that. So advocate during pregnancy. And I'll tell you, if they're going to try anything new or incorporate, you know, any new habit in your life, maybe do it before the huge transition of a new baby, because <laughs> yeah. it will be more second nature anyway. So that's wonderful advice. So Checking in with a special pelvic floor specialist during your pregnancy, advocating for yourself, learning how to activate those particular muscles in your core sounds like it can minimize the damage done during pregnancy, but then it can also set you up for like, I already know what to do once the baby comes because I've been doing this for the last X amount of months, right? And so that's wonderful advice because it is hard to start new things anyway, even if it's only five or 10 minutes a day and yeah. starting it after a new baby, uh, oh dear, good luck with that. <laughs> 
transition. Regardless of how many kids you've had those first couple of months, you're just in a black hole of chaos. So, um, yeah, I think that's wonderful advice. And I just think being a self-advocate is probably the most critical thing. And then if you, I want to give advice to people who are not pregnant, but who are those around pregnant people. Um, if, even if we can just like shift the value of that in our mind and offer support in a different way. Um, something that I like to think about too, is like, even if you're going to like buy a gift for somebody, a lot of us are like, so like, Oh, let me get you some cute clothes. And like, maybe that's fine. But what if you offered something else that was actually more supportive of the mom? I feel so sad sometimes when babies are born because the mom is so forgotten about. It's like, look how cute the baby is and the baby and the baby and the baby. I'm like, well, what about the person who made and had the baby? And so like just being like that support system and like showing up and saying, how can I support you in a meaningful way? I think could also help shift this cultural norm around how we hold people. I've said many times, um, you know, everybody wants to hold the baby, but the mother really needs to be held too. Mm. She needs support. She needs holding even more. So like she's got the baby usually, but we tend to lose ourselves and primarily focus on our little ones. And so to really focus on supporting the mother is so huge and so beneficial for the entire, for everyone. Because as you said, like, Mothers are birthing all the people like we're birthing and raising the future of everything. So like so many people would visit me and like it was nice to visit or whatever. But if someone would have come in and just said, hey, I'm going to do the dishes and a couple loads of laundry for you today, like that would probably mean so much more to a new mother than a cute outfit. They don't actually remember any of those cute outfits, (laughs) like being able to show up and offer an act of service to a new mom who's a member of the collective whole in our community. I think would be a step in the right direction for how we support new moms. Can I say something too? I think that there's a broader social impact here that could happen if people did this sooner, right? And, and like like before pregnancy, during pregnancy, because um, the way that a child's nervous system and brain functions form is as a response to the perceived environment of the mother, okay? So if the mother is in a consistently stressed state, the baby is being built for battle. The baby is being built to be born in a stressed environment, and it will show up with a higher propensity for anxiety, stress, et cetera, right? Probably addiction, et cetera. Um, if the mother is relaxed and she's calm, then the baby will be born ready to enter a relaxed and calm world. And I think it's so important that we try to nurture women during pregnancy to facilitate a, a world of people who are are coming from a place that's not so driven by anxiety and fear, but is more driven through feeling rooted and grounded. And you can't do that unless um, you have a lot of support. You know? And I and I think if I could zoom out and just say like the amount of support that women need during and post pregnancy, we're probably filling that about one percent. Like there is so much room for growth in this, and I just really want to encourage the people who maybe you know are. The, not the pregnant people to really your role in this is so valuable because that's what changes the norms and that's what changes the expectations of moms. And so, yeah, again, just being mindful of like how you can offer that support, I think is really, really valuable. And I think for the mother, um, that, that lens of self-advocacy is critical. And I know that it's really hard to advocate for self, but 
that's the only way we're going to be able to break down some of these barriers. And as a man, like, here's the thing. I love to fail so I can teach others how to not make those mistakes. Yeah, do you want to share anything? Yeah. Like, what I'm saying right now is not who I was when you were pregnant. Not at all. Straight up. I mean, like, and especially with the first one, you know, and I, um, life is so interesting where you can't go back and change things, right? You just have to learn from them. And my hope is that I can always find lessons and grow and become a better person. Um, but if you have a partner who's, who's pregnant or, um, you know, you plan to have another baby or something like that, um, they need to man the fuck up. I'm sorry. Like just straight up, like your, your, your partner does not want you to be their other baby, right? (laughs) You need to take care of them, not them take care of you because they're taking care of something else. And, um, I think a lot of men need to hear that. I think a lot of men need to hear that and they need to look at themselves in the mirror and say, what can I do to support this person who's helping create all the people and, you know, create the future generations for our society because we want it to be better and not, hey, how come you aren't having sex with me? How come you aren't cooking dinner for me? How come you aren't fulfilling all these expectations that society puts on you? And um, like I said, I, I, I would be a different person now. I was a different person for each pregnancy, but I would be a much different person now um, if I had to redo. So, yeah. It's it's important. It's not to like bathe people in shame over that. Yeah. It's to say, okay, let's recognize there's a as a there's a way that would benefit the collective whole. And um it's okay. I just again it's okay for women to ask what they need for what they need. Yeah. And I think it is important for men to hear that. Like the- here's the reality. Most men are just not even aware of this. And yeah. they're not aware of this because people aren't talking about it. And they're not aware of this because um the people they're with are probably too afraid to 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 say, ask for help, right? And so in both camps, like men, we need to be more aware of it and we need to take action on it. And women, we need to speak up. And also there's this weird thing that happens when you learn how to speak up and then you feel guilty for somebody helping. And it's like, oh my God, that's a, that's the other end of it that mm-hmm. you have to work through internally. But it is, it is important. And I even when I was even getting, I even caught myself when we were starting this, I was like, oh, um, in my mind, I was like, oh, a lot of this episode isn't for men. And I'm like, there yes, I go. Is, right? Like this is an extremely epi- important episode for men and for partners or or partners of people who are pregnant. It's extremely important for them to understand the internal shift that's happening in a woman's mind and body during this time. It's 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 the most transformative thing I've ever gone through in my life. And it's like something I'm like just brushed off. It's 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 wild. So um, did you, I just want to ask about the mindset, Yeah. right? Like I'm never going to have the experience of, you know, carrying a baby and going through that. And I just watching you become a mother, like the monumental transition of your identity and who you were and how, how much pressure you felt. It was just like, it was a lot to watch. Like how does someone who, you know, is following society's expectations and just feeling like this isn't right. How do they make that leap? Can we give them some like tools? Like, I don't know if it's a phrase that you need to talk to your partner, how to self-advocate to your doctor. Like, I just want people to have something really valuable that they can take with them to, to change uh, the narrative. Yeah, it's, it's so hard. It is. It's such a big transition. Um, and a lot of people really do feel like they lost their identity. Um, but you're really, uh, something I've heard a lot is like when a baby is born, a mother is born too. So it's like you're mm-hmm. you're coming into this. So it's more of like a blossoming and a coming into your new being. And you can choose how you want that to be and how you want that to look. Um, and a lot of times we're hard on ourselves and that's okay. Like I know the whole shame thing we talked about. You don't want to be, oh, it's terrible that I 
feel this way about my body or speak to myself this way. Cause that's just adding to it and making it worse. So a really common thing is just, I don't recognize my body. Like I'm not happy in this body. And just to remember what your body has done, like this body grew a baby, an entire human for nine months. And now I have this beautiful child and this body allowed that to happen. Mm. And sometimes it's a really far leap to go from really not liking your body very much or, you know, having negative feelings toward it to loving it. Cause we, you know, there's all this talk about self-love and body love. And sometimes that can feel almost out of reach. Mm. So something I focus on a lot is body appreciation. So focusing Mm. on appreciating your body for what it allows you to do for what it has done for you and your baby for being able to walk down the street if you like to walk. So in focusing on the things you love to do in your body and like, thank you body for allowing me to do these things. Um, And that's like a really great and beautiful and amazing step in that direction without having to feel guilty for not loving your body. We're not all going to love every part of our body all the time. I think that's unrealistic for most people, but we can appreciate it and we can find things to appreciate about it. And if we do that regularly, then there's going to be a really positive shift. I, I love, love that. I love the appreciation. It's so yeah, great. Yeah, because right? we do When's talk the last a lot time of... you said thank you, legs, for standing me up and walking me, you know? I mean, we That's talk a lot about love, like self-love on the podcast and um, as a new lens to look through rather than like, you know, changing so the number on the scale or all the stuff. But it is a big leap. And um, it is true that we won't always love our body, but appreciation does feel like a tangible step for sure. So I really appreciate that because um, I think that we there's there's a lot of gratitude that can be can be given to ourselves if we look through that lens, and it does feel like a more tangible step for most of us. So, well, I'm so grateful that you joined us today, Emily. I felt like our our um, listeners got probably so much valuable information out of this. And, um, if you could, if you could tell, you know, women, uh, one thing before we go, what do you think that would be? Offer yourself patience and grace. Every journey is unique. Every journey is different. Don't compare, just Mm. meet yourself where you are and be patient and kind to yourself along the way. And you will get there. I love that. I tell my daughter all the time when she's comparing things, I say the easiest way to find suffering is to compare, right? Instead of just be and accept and appreciate. That's that's beautiful. Well, thank you again, Emily. We're so glad you could join us today. I hope this helps a lot of women. I hope it helps a lot of the the partners of all the people who are having the babies as well. Uh, this is a this is a collective thing that we need to shift as a whole society, and it's going to sure. take some time, but it's possible. So thank you again. We'd love to have you on another time. And uh, why don't you tell us your Instagram handle again so people can follow you? Um, It is mom emerging strong. And thank you so much for having me. It was an honor to be here with you all. And thank you for the wonderful work that you're doing at WeShape. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. We'll we'll check in next week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. 
So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, remember that right now you can sign up for WeShape's Feel Good Challenge and get access to everything WeShape has to offer for free. Just click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash challenge to sign up.